Have you ever been driving in your car and all of a sudden this light shows up on your dashboard, the little red light? Ironically, this morning as I'm driving into church, my red light goes off on my dash. I'm hoping it just means my tire pressure is low, but I thought of all mornings. But what is it? It's a warning, right? It reminds us, listen, heed the call, pay attention. If you continue on without making an adjustment, you're headed for trouble. That's what the red light reminds us. You know, isn't it the same thing that the Holy Spirit does in our hearts? Our Holy Spirit reminds us at different times, listen, that the red light's blinking. Heed the call. If you don't make an adjustment, you're heading for a difficult time. You're heading for a moment of poor decisions and a life full of regrets. It's the beauty and the power of the Holy Spirit. In my life, I confess to you, in the last, it's felt like all year, but in the last couple of weeks, boy, the, the red light of my heart has been blinking. And I love our country, but boy, when I see and I face the things that we're dealing with now, boy, there's a woundedness and a, and a hurt in my heart that I know is a little bit out of balance and the red light is blinking. I know for me the red light is blinking because I can tell by my emotions. When I am consistently agitated or irritated, I know that the red light is blinking. When I... Uh, when I watch the news or things that are going on and my heart moves from being frustrated and concerned to anger, right? I'm with you. I have yelled at the TV in the non-football setting more here recently than I have at other times. But you know what really got my attention? When there were things that were happening that my heart should have been outraged about, but it wasn't. You see, whenever in my emotional pool that I'm on either side of too much or too little, I'm reminded I'm not living in the power of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And the Holy Spirit begins to take that little red light and says, pay attention. Something's a little out of balance. You've been there? You felt that tension over these last few months and times? And it was during these moments, this is what the Lord has been reminding me about and, and helping my heart in the process. The Lord said this to me in the context. He says, listen, remember that someday I'm going to return for my church, my bride, and not my country. You see, Revelations chapter 19 says this, let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride, the church, has prepared herself. She has been given to the finest of pure white linens to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. That when the Lord returns, listen, this is the power, that the good deeds is the white linens of his people. That the reality when the Lord returns that the good deeds of his followers are what matters. So as your pastor, as a fellow brother and sister in Christ, I'm reminded of this. That this is what I'm responsible for. That the family of God, it's the church. This is the things that we're accountable for, that we love each other the way that God calls us to love, that we represent the Lord in our community in ways that the God has called us to represent him in those ways. And so in my life, when I feel that red light flashing and the tension at an inappropriate level, I'm reminded again of, of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. That our hearts and our decisions determine the quality and the direction of our lives. 
So in light of that, I want to take these next few weeks in that context and talk a little bit about this. If our decisions and our hearts determine the quality and direction of our lives, I want to talk about, again, how can we live a life with, of better decisions that we go? I mentioned while I was in quarantine, got to read some books, and one of them was, again, uh, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets by Andy Stanley. And so I want to take some of those principles, and I want to take some of the things that God has been really laying on my heart and share them with you over these next six weeks in our time together. Because again, big thought for our time, right, is that your decisions determine the direction and the story of your life. Now let that sink in for a moment. It's that your decisions, not circumstances, not what everybody else tells you, your decisions determine the direction and the quality of the story of your life. That your story of your life is being written every day, and it's been written every day by the little decisions that we make as we go through it. And what makes our story so important is the second truth that's simply this, that you are not the only person impacted by your decisions and your regrets, right? That your decisions place a thumbprint on the story of other people responsibility, not only for ourselves but those that are around it. We see that all throughout history where a, a single decision has had generational impact on things that have happened. The, the year, it was May 27th, 1782. On that May 22nd, the colonels of the army come to George Washington and say to George Washington, Mr. Washington, we want you to become a king of this new United States of America. And in that moment, George Washington declines and changes the trajectory of our country. Now, most of the time, I'm pretty thrilled with that decision. But can I confess to you, there are some days I'd like a king if I could pick him <laughs> as we go. But one decision, right, changed the trajectory of an entire country. This weekend, we're remembering Martin Luther King. And what if Reverend King would have decided to just stay up north, even though he was aware of all the injustices that were happening down south? What if he would have just stayed but his decision, right, has raised the, raised the consciousness. His courage has inspired generations to come as we go. As I look out today over many of you, and I think about this, many of you that are watching online, listen, your courage and your decisions have impacted and changed generations. Some of you, your story is through the power of God in your life. You, you have overcome addictions you have overcome habits. You have broken cycles that have been generational in your family tree. For some of you, you are creating a home and an environment in your house that you never experienced as a child. I mean, what a blessing, what a gift. Listen, your decisions have made that have been generational. Parents, I say it often, just want to remind you again, listen, the most significant thing you do may not be something you do. It may be someone you raise. Your decisions have generational impact. So I hope this series builds and comes underneath and supports some of the decisions that many of you have made. As we launch in, I want to remind you, for those of you that are teenagers in our 20s and our 30-year-olds that are here, listen, if you will lock in and embrace the truth of these next six weeks, it will set you up for a life of less regrets. And I don't know about you, the older I get, one of the greatest gifts is to have a life that has few regrets. Because it always is the challenge, the older you get and look back, oh, I wish I would have, oh, if I could have, oh, I should have. Listen, these next six weeks are going to help you to do that. Because good questions, right, lead to good decisions. 
Now, here's the challenge. We all make decisions based on questions we ask ourselves, and we may not even know that we're asking those questions. Let me give you six questions that if we're not careful, this is what we ask ourselves in a default mechanism, in different variations of this, but six questions. When I'm looking to come to a decision, if I'm not careful, I just ask these. Will this make me happy? Will I enjoy this? Will this hurt me? Will this hurt anybody else? Will anyone find out? And what will I do if someone does find out? See, the challenge of our default questions is they are extremely introspective. They all ask questions about how will this make me feel? How will I be portrayed by others or thought of by others based on these decisions that I make? And here's what we want to do over these next six weeks. We want to take time to replace those selfish, introspective questions with God-honoring questions and replace some of the thoughts that we have. So the first question that I want to start with today and I want to ask us to replace, can I be honest, is probably the most difficult, I think, of all the questions we're going to ask over these weeks to come. It's certainly the question that's going to require from you the most self-reflection, the most willingness to be honest with yourself. But if you can master this question, friends, here's the beauty of it. You will not only make better decisions, but you will make more honest decisions. This question we're going to ask is critical for self-awareness. Now, let me just say this. At the end of this question, you may ask the question, come up with the answer, and still make the same decision you were going to make, but at least you're making an honest choice rather than deceiving ourselves. So that's where we want to go. First question, here we go. First question is an integrity question. It simply is this. Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself? Now, I start there with this question because here's the truth, right? The easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. This is where the battle lies, right? It's this person in the mirror that I'm having these conversations with. If you don't believe this is the most important conversation and the easiest person to deceive is the person that you're looking at, let me remind you of three areas in life that we tend to have the most regrets over. Purchases, relationships, and habits, right? Uh, if you're like me, I, I have made, whew, I've made some really dumb decisions and purchases in my life. And the person, babe, don't laugh so hard. The person in the mirror, and I, we've agreed on these decisions. We thought they were brilliant at the time. And during the pandemic, oh, it's even easier to make really dumb decisions and have them show up at your door two days later, right? Online sales are up all over the world. In fact, during this pandemic, globally, we have spent $3.9 trillion in online sales. I have contributed with Foolish Ones. Uh, what I love is the mirror and I agreed, and two days later, this showed up at, at my, uh, my doorstep. And I'm excited about this purchase. It was life-changing, generationally impacting, and phenomenal. I, of course, purchased the 1992 Dream Team figurine set. And I was so excited. What I call memorabilia, my wife calls something else, uh, but I received this. And to make it even worse, I didn't just purchase one of these. I ended up purchasing by accident a second one of these that is now at my door. That's why this one's in the box. So if you'd like to purchase an overpriced 1982 dream set, you just let me know on this. And my poor decision, I doubled down because after my wife's ridicule, I said, I know what would make it feel classier and richer and more fancy, babe. So I purchased a china plate. You'll see the picture here of the dream team. And now the whole thing is together. And it's such a beautiful thing. And me and the mirror agreed, this was a great idea. 
Now that seems, it's silly and it's a little thing, but you know the hard part? I, I've used the same justification to make bigger and even dumber decisions and even more foolish purchases over time that we had. And the problem is when I sit here with the mirror and I have this conversation, I quickly turn what is a want into a need. And now I begin to think I need this kind of thing. And that justification process that turns a want into a need ultimately leads to what we know will be a regret. You ever been there? You ever had that conversation in the mirror? And by the time you're done, you've convinced yourself. So here's a couple things I've learned uh, through the years that have helped me and, and maybe will be helpful to you. Listen, if it takes creative financing, it's probably not a good decision. If you gotta figure out 10 ways how to get this done, it's probably not a good decision. If you can't fully disclose to your spouse what you have purchased, it's probably going to lead to some sense of regret. See, you seldom have to sell yourself on a good idea. But when I have the opposite, I go to the mirror and we have this conversation and I end up with figurines from 1992 that are awesome. There we go. You know, the second place that if we're not careful that we deceive ourselves and lie to ourselves is in this area of relationships, right? Think about some of your relationships. Everybody knew this person was bad for you. But you sat and you talked to the mirror over a little bit of time and you begin just, wow, we're in love. So you justified, you overlooked some of the things that you knew could be a potential, you ignored some of the red flags, and now in retrospect, right, you look back at that relationship and you realize, yes, I was ignoring everybody else but listening to the person in the mirror. You told yourself what you wanted to believe and what you wanted in that moment because it felt good. Final area that we tend to always roll over, it, it, it's just destructive habits that we have, right? We, we look at the person in the mirror and we begin to say these things, right? I can handle this. I deserve it. I can stop whenever I think I can stop. And listen, I'm never going to end up like so-and-so. And see, what I love about my conversations with the person in the mirror is this. The person in the mirror only judges me by my intentions and not my actions, we tend to judge each other by our actions and not our intentions, but I love the mirror. He helps me. Listen, I know that was an insensitive and inappropriate and mean, but I know you. You're a good person. You're kind. You never, you never really meant to hurt them. Listen, I know you don't go to the gym, but I know you want to go, and uh, you know, that's your desire, and as soon as you get those new shoes, you'll probably go back. It's really okay. Just relax. It's going to be okay. But the challenge is the person in the mirror judges intentions and rather than actions that come out over and over. <laughs> and anyone who is in recovery, you know this truth, that rigorous honesty is the first rule to recovery. Rigorous honesty. And it begins who? It begins with the person in the mirror because it, until you acknowledge where you really are at this moment, you'll never move on to where you want to be. So here's a commitment that we've got to make to one another when it comes to making good decisions. Ready? Tell yourself the truth, even if the truth makes you feel bad about yourself. Got to be honest. I got to look and tell myself the truth, even if that truth makes me feel bad about myself. Because again, as I said, you'll never get where you need to be until you acknowledge where you actually are. And here's where we actually are. 
We're sinful, fallen people. And the darkness of our heart can get pretty dark. The, the prophet Jeremiah tells us this in the Old Testament. When he talks about the person in the mirror, this is what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says this. The heart is deceitful above all things. And I love the Bible, and I love because it, the power of words, and the Bible is so specific to use certain words for certain things. What does it say about the heart? That the heart is deceitful. It doesn't say that the heart is dishonest. Because being dishonest is pretty straightforward, and being dishonest is pretty easy to see. But deceit is another thing. See, what makes deceit so tricky is it mixes a little bit of truth, a little bit of half-truths, and it moves a little bit of a lie and mixes it all together. If it was just dishonest, we could see it and call it out. But deceit, it's a little bit of a, a mixed bag that's there. And what makes deceit so challenging is that it plays to the weakest part of our character. Deceit plays to your insecurities. Deceit plays to those fleshly wants and desires that you have in such a powerful way. So the heart is deceitful above all things. And Jeremiah goes on, and beyond cure. The problem with the heart is that it's a permanent condition. You will never outgrow it. You'll be in your 50s buying 1992 figurines someday and in your mind thinking this was a brilliant idea. You're not going to outgrow it. You're not going to fix it. You're not going to work hard enough just to get rid of it. It's hardwired into our heart. Why? It's our sin nature, right? So it's something that's here. This is why when it comes to decisions, we have got to be so intentional. We've got to be proactive with our decision-making process because our default decision-making process will always lead to Regret. Why? Because the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Jeremiah goes on to simply say in the last part, it's beyond cure, and then he says, who can understand it? Jeremiah says, this is why I can't understand why I make the choices that I make. Jeremiah, like, I should know better, and yet I still default to these things. This is why we can't take the advice that we give to other people that we can't take it and apply it to our own lives. This is why smart people do stupid things. Why, Jeremiah says, who can understand it? So that's why this first question, right, on decision-making process is, is so important that we begin with. Integrity question. Am I being honest with myself? Am I telling myself the truth or am I selling myself a regret? And it begins with there. See, you owe it to yourself. I, I think you owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself. Again, you may make the same decision, but at least you're honest to why you do it. Brene Brown, in, in her book, wrote it this way. Our rational, growing-up selves requires what she refers to as emotional curiosity. When we push through our discomfort and get curious about why we are feeling why, what we are feeling, why we are determined to do what we are driven to do, when we do that, we get to the truth. And it sounds so good, but what makes this hard, right? What makes this uncomfortable? What makes this vulnerable? What, this, this process is emotionally exhausting, and you know why we don't want to do it? Because sometimes we're going to come up to an, with an answer that's opposite of what we want to do. I, I don't really want to know the truth. I just want to go on with what I'm dealing with. But when we can do this, here's the beauty of it. it it's freeing, it's character building, and most importantly, it's God honoring. 
So here's the commitment as we start in this series that's gonna lead to better decisions and less regret. It's simply this, that I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I'm gonna be honest. When I get to this point with me in the conversation with the person in the mirror, I'm just gonna be honest. And it may be ugly and it may be disappointing but at least I'm gonna be honest. So how do we get there? As we close out our time this morning, I, I wanna give you some questions that may help you as you have this conversation with the person in the mirror. I, the challenge is to have what I'm calling a Psalms 139 moment. So this next week that you take some time and you just take a walk and get some time with yourself and you have this Psalms 139 moment like David had when he wrote one, Psalms 139 verse 23, he says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And here's the key. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David's just saying, God, let me just be honest. Not self-deceived. Let me just call it what it is. God, I just want to agree with you, what you already know about me. <laughs> but I just want to say it out loud and agree with that. So here's some questions for you maybe to think about those things. You know, why am I buying this, right? We spent $3.9 trillion. What, what does this make me feel about myself? Why did I need this newer and brighter or whatever? Because the reality is, look, look, my iPhone 6 and my 1994 Mustang still fulfilled its responsibilities. They would have been fine. But there was some reason I chose to upgrade all the way around in those different things. So, so what is it about me? Why do I have to have that? Next question. Why do I always have to be in a relationship? Why am I bouncing from one to another to another? What is it, what is it that I'm looking to get filled in me through somebody else, right? In those moments, why, why is that? Those are questions to ask. You know, why are we living together, right? I, I know it's not God's best for me in my life and in my relationships, so why am I choosing to do something that voids God's blessing in that, in that area, right? It's, it's not simply financial so we can pay the bills. So what is it there? You know, why, why did I end that relationship? So look back over my life and the series of Why did I get to this point and I seem to always cut it off? Why do I self-destruct in these things? Why did I leave that relationship over the other? Those are questions to ask. Why am I leaving this job, and why am I trying to find and take this next job? What's the thing behind that? Why do I find myself, why, why do I drink? Why do I self-medicate? Why, why am I so uncomfortable with the silence and the emotions and the feelings that I'm feeling, right? Why won't I choose, why won't I choose to, to forgive that person? I'm really good about forgiving this person and those people and this, but why is this one? What is in me that this one creates so much emotion and so much hurt? Why am I so controlling of my kids and my spouse? Why does everything they do become a direct reflection of me? And why do I just want to control and manipulate and just, why? What is it in me that's driving? These are these tough questions, right? Why am I stuck at this point in my faith journey? I, I believe in God. 
Maybe I'm a Christian, I've placed my faith in Jesus, and my faith is just here, and I can't get past this. I'm stuck. God, what's, why is that in my faith journey? Whatever it would be, you've got your own time with you in the mirror, and the question really is, why am I this? You know, fill in the blanks. Why am I so angry? Why am I so, you know, whatever that would be, you have those. So here's the question that as we close out to really ask, you know, I think times with you and the Lord is this, where in my life am I susceptible to the lies of the person in the mirror? We all have them. The things that you're susceptible are different than mine. The things that I'm susceptible are different than yours. So, so God, where is it? Do I find myself being susceptible to justify and rationalize and stuff away? Where is that area in my life? Is there a lie that you're holding on to or a question, maybe even bigger, is there a question that you are afraid to ask that's keeping you from experiencing the freedom that God has for you in your life? See, this idea of having this Psalms 139 conversation with the mirror for some of you is the most terrifying thing in your life because you're even scared to ask the question because you don't want to deal with the answer. And that's keeping you from the freedom that God has for you. I love John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Truth shall set you free. That's the beauty of honesty. Even if I don't like what I'm honestly experiencing, there's freedom that comes. There's opportunity to experience God's love and God's grace. Because when I know that God, that I'm fully known and fully accepted, then a beautiful thing happens. So the truth begins with question number one. Am I being honest with myself? Let's pray together. Father, this morning we, we grapple with that challenging thing. In order to make good decisions, we've got to ask good questions, and good questions begin with questions of our own heart, which is deceitful. which is a heart we can't even fully understand, which reminds us again that, God, why we need so much to surrender our lives to you, why, why we need you to be in control, and we need your spirit to speak truth where we have self-deceived ourselves in so many different areas. So, God, I just pray for this week. I pray for my friends. I pray for myself that we could just take time and really ask the difficult questions. And that honesty would be the first part as we move on to making better decisions and less regrets. In your name, amen. As we close out our time this morning, I, I know today and potentially in the weeks to come, I, I pray, I hope that the Spirit's going to stir something in your heart where you just say, God, I just need to think and do and, and maybe act on this in a different way. And I love the heart of our elders who have really said, hey, how can we during this time, we just want to continue to connect and minister to our people. I love them to say that prayer has never been more important than during these days. And so I just want to invite you during this season, after every one of our services, even starting today, just to let you know our elders are going to be available just right down here in front. And if there's just prayer needs you have in your life, maybe there's something you, God's been stirring just through things that have been shared. Maybe you just need some encouragement. You're going to pray for somebody, health, whatever, physical, spiritual, emotional healing, different things are there. Just to let you know, every week they're going to be available down here front, and they would just love the privilege to connect. 
Because I think about 2021, I think that's gonna be the challenge of the church, right? It's just gonna be to reconnect with one another in a, in a stronger and, and greater way. And prayer is one way to do that, that we do that. If you're watching online, uh, you'll see right there at the bottom of your screen, there's a little text, and you can text your prayers in there. And as a staff we'd love to, and elders, we'd love to be able to pray for you this week. And so again, if you're online, you can do that. The other way that we're gonna really, I think, during 2021 that we connect and, and do life together is through what we do here at, at Lex City, and that's just through doing groups, and we call them life groups together. And I wanna just share with you one story of somebody's testimony about how the impact of groups has been in their lives. Check this out. Hello, I'm Greg Russ. I'm the principal of the Academy for Leadership at Mill Creek. So in my role as a school administrator, it's always give, give, give. The online groups allow me an opportunity to get. It allows me the opportunity to receive um, just a word from God and also just to hear encouraging words from others. I have genuine connections. Uh, for example, even in Scott's group, uh, I was able to meet a guy. He's military where I've been former law enforcement. And those connections that we can talk about, especially as African-American males, uh, has really been a blessing for me. We may be in different locations. Um, we may have different backgrounds. We may even have different time zones. Uh, just knowing that at that specific time each week, I was able to share those experiences with all different backgrounds of people, different age groups. Uh, it's been a blessing. Sometimes you don't know what you need until you really need it. And life groups give you that opportunity week after week to have a set time where you can get exactly what you need. I love that. Sometimes you don't really know what you need until you really need it. And so again, if you're interested in joining, being a part of groups, we've got new groups that are starting up here in 2021. And you can go to lexcity.info, sign there, find out more information about all the groups as we go. Again, if there's anything on your heart you want prayer, encouragement for, uh, our elders and some spouses will be available right down here. We'd love the privilege of doing that. Oh, and last but not least, if you're interested in overpriced mannequins from 1992, you talk to me after the service. Tammy, I'm sure, would be thrilled if these did not go home with me uh, today. Hey, love y'all. Thanks for spending part of your day with us this morning. Hope your heart's been encouraged and challenged. Have an amazing week, and we'll look forward to seeing you back next week for, we for uh, week number two of Better Decisions, Less Regrets. We'll see you then.